Welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got a pre-recorded edition of The Deciding Point, our weekly breakdown of everything that happens in the Division I college tennis world. Of course, here on Wednesday nights on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel, we talk about the Division I men's college tennis world. However, quick disclaimer for all of you tuning in on our YouTube channel here tonight, we recorded this episode actually on Monday night. The reason for that is that I am headed to the Phoenix Challenger. So excited to see so many top 100 players in action. We'll have so much content for all of you Crack Rackets fans as well from the event. I'm hoping to get a sit-down interview with Matteo Berrettini. We'll all knock on wood in the hopes that that ends up happening. But of course, before we get to our Phoenix content, we have to focus on everything that's happened in the Division I men's college tennis world. And because we are recording this on Monday, we won't have the opportunity to see the newest edition of the ITA rankings. We, of course, also won't have the opportunity to answer any of your questions throughout the course of today's show. But if any of you have any follow-up thoughts, of course, you know where to find us at Crack Rackets, at AL Gruskin, at College Tennis Ranks as well. And speaking of at College Tennis Ranks, joining me on tonight's show as he does each and every week to break down all of the action from the Division I men's college tennis world is a man you all know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula. Predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. It's the lean, mean, vegan machine, the professor, Chris Halioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. I appreciate you doing this on a Monday night. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling good. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm a little tight because I got to cover solo all our broadcasts <laughs> fr- Thursday, Friday, Sunday with you bailing on me. I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I definitely feel a couple double faults coming. Well, here's the good news for you. And hey, I didn't bail on you. I'm just yes. doing something else. That's really cool. And I'm extremely grateful that you are going to be covering our ACC and SEC broadcasts over the course of the weekend. College tennis fans can find those on ESPN, SEC Network, ACC Network Plus. You should know, though, and this will give you some confidence, that when we were discussing here at Crack Rackets HQ, who should fill my spot on those Crack Rackets broadcasts, it was super producer Daniel Westhoff who said, wouldn't it just be easier to have Chris? Like, he knows the job. He's comfortable, you know, in the role. I'm comfortable working with him. Can we just make it Chris? So by super producer Daniel Westhoff's demand, Chris, you're covering for us. That's, that's got to help you, right? Yeah. Oh, that's 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 good news right there. Also means you're not on the Christmas card list anymore. But yeah, (laughs) that's funny. No, I will say this. When's the last time you studied this hard learning names, pronunciations, dates and things? It's got to be what? 1991. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, I was already a year out of college at that point. <laughs> okay, so it's been <laughs> multiple decades since Chris yeah. has had to hit the textbooks as he's doing to yeah. do preparation for these broadcasts. But yes, a massive thank you to Chris. A massive thank you to all of you, College Tennis Nation, who have offered words of encouragement for our broadcast. We're obviously so excited to be able to provide uh, and shine a spotlight on some of the best college tennis that happens across the country. Of course, we're so thrilled to be able to spotlight it on a platform 
like ESPN Plus, ACC Network, SEC Network Plus. So again, a massive thank you to the coaches, the administrators who helped make that happen. A massive thank you to Dalton Thieneman, who does so much behind the scenes to make everything work here at Cracked Rackets as well. Exciting times ahead. Again, broadcast Thursday, Friday, Sunday over the course of the next six weeks. I forgot to mention, but I mean, it's Michigan versus Ohio State on our Big Ten broadcast this Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Come on, folks. We got it all here at Cracked Rackets. So if you're a college tennis fan tuning into this, be sure to tune into our Cracked Rackets broadcast as well. With all of that said, we got tons to cover here on today's show. Obviously, conference play going on across the country. ACC results, SEC results for us to get into. We have still a few lingering spring break trips, some results trickling out from there that we want to discuss as well. Of course, again, we've got some non-on-court related college tennis news to lead the show that I think is a fun discussion all of you will enjoy. But before we get to any of that, of course, the reason we are able to do these shows day in, day out, week in, week out, covering everything that happens in the college tennis world is because of the support we get from all of you Cracked Rackets fans and, of course, because of the support we get from our dear friends at LS. And unfortunately, I have not been rocking LS of late on these shows. Again, it's because I'm wearing it too frequently in my day-to-day life. It too frequently finds itself in the washing machine, in the dryer, so I can wear it fresh again, you know, on a Thursday or a Friday or a Saturday or whatever the day may be. And look, you'll want to keep wearing your LS gear as well. You're going to look stylish. You're going to feel athletic. It's just the best of both worlds. And to learn more, click on the link in the description to this show. Again, we are so grateful for the support we get from our friends at LS. Be sure to extend your support to them as well. LS, proud sponsors of The Deciding Point. With all that said, Chris, let's get into this week's news. And again, let's start with some non-on-court a non-on-court, I should say, related development, and that relates to the Herd Award. And, of course, this was an award that was more prevalent 2019-2020, of course. Mark Hurd, former Oracle CEO, and, you know, if you've ever been to the Baylor campus, it's called the Hurd Tennis Center. Uh, Mark Hurd's passion for tennis unmatched. He helped get the Oracle Challenger Series un- uh, underway in the late stages of 2019, early 2020, and devoted so much time, so much effort, so many of his resources personally to all things tennis. Now, unfortunately, of course, Mark Hurd passed away a few years ago, and that's why it's so exceptional to see Universal Tennis continue this Hurd Award, which offers a $100,000 grant to uh, a departing college tennis American who is pursuing a professional pro, uh, professional tennis career, excuse me. And again, $100,000, that sounds like a big number. Can't be emphasized enough what that does, especially early in a player's career when you have to travel all the time. You're staying in hotels and, you know, you're not making these absorbent amounts of paychecks. You make the quarterfinals one week, you're lucky to break even at the futures, 25K, 50K level, of course. Even when you get to the challengers, it's still you got to win to earn your supper and to have $100,000 to rest upon early in your career to use for expenses, to use for dare I say, luxuries when you're trying to make your way into the Pro Tour, such as, I don't know, coaching or just, again, all these different sorts of things, $100,000 goes an extraordinarily long way. And so, again, it's a massive thank you and a testament to the Herd family, a massive testament to Universal Tennis as well for getting this award rocking and rolling once again. 
Chris, our, our Hurt Award recipients were named. And I think, you know, if you read Colette Lewis, the Pied Piper, the GOAT of all things related to Junior and the college tennis world, you know, Colette talked about how it was kind of a no-brainer that Peyton Stearns would be the selection. Of course, she's defended, de, the defending excuse me, NCAA singles champion, a two-time NCAA team champion, you know, working her way already into the top 125 as well. If Colette Lewis says you're a clear-cut champion, I'm just going to take your words for it. You're a clear-cut champion. Of course, that's something, though, I will discuss in further depth, or I did discuss, I suppose. I forgot. See, I haven't recorded the show with John Parsons yet in reality. But by the time this comes out, the show with John Parsons will have already been released. So you all caught me there, folks. A little look behind the curtain. But, uh, you know, John Parsons and I discussed Peyton Stearns winning the award. Colette Lewis said it was a lot more, a lot less clear on the men's side who the recipient would be. The reason being, why give $100,000 to Ben Shelton? Not that he's not deserving of this award and certainly all the qualifications Peyton Stern has. He's lacking the team championship, but he accomplished just about everything that could be accomplished in the college tennis world as well. What Colette Lewis wrote in her zoo tennis blog on Monday night or Sunday night, whenever it was, I think it was Sunday, uh, was that why would you give $100,000 to a Ben Shelton who's already top 50 in the world, who already has an Australian Open quarterfinal paycheck and has clearly established himself and will have a shot at the upper echelons of the ATP Tour already at this point of his career. Why would you you know, extend the grant to him already when perhaps there's someone else who is a bit more needing of the support? And Colette said it was a wide open field. And, you know, again, I had thought that the award had, go- had to go to someone who had already graduated. Evidently, that's not the case, and we can get into the criteria in a second here, Chris, and I apologize for this monologue, but the award goes to University of Michigan All-American Andrew Fenty, who joined me on the Cracked Interviews podcast to discuss what this $100,000 means to him, what the selection and you know process and criteria looked like in him receiving this award, but Chris, $100,000 is career-changing money to start. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can I can make the argument on both sides. You've said it many times that it's, you know, a significant amount of money and a significant help. Yeah, it's a significant amount of money. But on the flip side, to your point, that's not even enough for somebody to go have a coach, have a sure. trainer, have, right? I mean, it's literally a grant to try to get somebody to get the, you know, get what they need to get going and make it. But you're, you know, you're, if, if you get that and all you're playing is futures for a year, you're probably going to break even. Right. I mean, that's, it's, it's just, it's, it's that help to get you going and see if you've got what it takes. But you know, there are a lot of, a lot of folks out there that can't just go, yeah, I'm going to put up a hundred, $150,000 to spend a year traveling the, you know, the world trying to make it a, you know, play in, 15, 25 Ks. And if I don't, then all the money's gone and I fall back on my degree and enter the business world. So yeah, it's a, it's huge opportunity standpoint because it really does afford somebody the opportunity. And I, I'm with Colette. I, I would love to ask Ben that question. If you ask me, I'd say, no, give me the hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but for the purpose of the hundred thousand dollars, right? I, and I think even Ben would agree, 
Yes, it's not going to it's not going to create any opportunities for Ben whatsoever that he doesn't uh, already have. Exactly. He's already getting into whatever he wants. He's mm-hmm. got he's made enough money to afford to be able to travel to all of those tournaments. Uh, he doesn't need that, you know, that kickstart to get going. Somebody like an Andrew Fenty absolutely can use that to help him try to try to make it a go. Yeah. And of course, the fascinating question is who else was considered? Because there are a lot of guys who are right on the precipice of being worthy. Now, what's so fascinating to me is, you know, Andrew Fenty goes 17 and one in the fall in college tennis. And he's a top 10 guy right now. And he's been an All-American, obviously. He's, you know, been top 10 in the country with three different doubles partners throughout the course of his career. I'm not saying Andrew Fenty isn't worthy of this award. But like, again, has to be an American. But there are other guys, right? Like, I wonder if Dostanich was in the conversation, although he has another year of eligibility. Spaziri, right? Another year of eligibility. And when I talked to Andrew, I believe he said it was supposed to go to a player who was graduating and about to start their life on the pro tour. And, you know, of course, then I pulled up the tennis recruiting rankings. Who else was in Fenty's class that perhaps might have been considered? And, of course, right away, you think about his teammate, Pat Maloney, who obviously played more pro matches this fall than than at the collegiate level. But... Certainly had plenty of success doing all sorts of things in the summer, in the fall. And, you know, it's funny looking at the guys on this list. Steve Foreman's on this list. Trey Hildebrand's on this list. I think Noah Schachter's improperly placed, but he's on this list. Ryan Getz, Axel Nev, I'm sure, was another guy who had to have been considered who is on this list. Again, I... I would like to hear, and I'm sure there will be a readout from Stephen Armitage and the Universal Tennis team about what, more specifically, what the criteria was. But, I mean, again, the key now is you talked about that future circuit. Let's say there is some success on the future circuit and you get to about 400 or in between 400 and 500 in the world. Well, Quite frankly, right now, that's not going to get you into an American-based challenger. There are too many American guys who are either fresh out of college or, you know, whatever may be 24, 25 years old or still in college who especially are going to be more highly ranked than Fenty right now because he hasn't played a ton of pro tennis who are going to get those spots above him, right? Like, Ricky Hitchikata just played Mitchell Kruger, and the Phoenix event is an exception, not the rule, but they just played in a first round of qualifying at the Phoenix Challenger. Like... That's a joke. It's a 175. It might, it's a, basically a 250. You're right. The difference now is, though, with this 100K, you can go to Monastir for a month or six weeks and play all of those events consecutively. Yeah. Or, you know, again, maybe you do get to 400 or 386 in the world. And, oh, there's a challenger in Poland this week where the cutoff's a little lower. And now I can afford to go take one of those trips where even if I lose first round one of the weeks – it's paid for. I'll be okay. I can take that sort of lump to test myself. Or maybe it's a clay court you want to go test yourself on. Whatever it may be, this grant just affords a little bit of of a cushion. I mean, not a little bit. It provides a cushion for a really – I mean, <laughs> I don't know if $100,000 gets you what it once did in terms of travel expenses, Chris. But at least a year, right? Maybe two. I was going to say it gets you two years, but then I was like, I don't know if it's a full two, if you, especially no, if you go international, no, but it gets yeah, you a year for sure. No no chance it gets you that, but I would say if, you, if you're if you really frugal about the spending, like you said. And uh, winning a, as well. 
Yeah, there's there's a you know there's a damn fifteen k in monastery every week of the year. So sure. you know, if you wanted, if you were really frugal, you'd just say I'm going there for a month, and and you don't have to bite off travel in between, and especially last minute travel where you end up having to pay high prices for the plane tickets because you don't know what day you can leave and sure. and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, you can if you're really frugal about it. Yeah, you can get. I mean, certainly over a year. Uh, but yeah, you're going to, you're going to have to prove that you can start winning. And I think, and it allows you to sort of take the, what, what I would call the, uh, the Oliver Crawford approach to, <laughs> to going at it, which is just keep grinding the futures until, you know, you get to the point where it's a no brainer. You have to play challengers. Now, you know, he, you know, Crawford's been up into the three hundreds and he's still playing ITFs and getting the points to the point where he's going to be, you know, a lock to be able to get in, but it's still tough to your point. If you play an American challenger, depending on when and during the year, but yeah, you're, you know, you need to be in the two or three hundreds to be able to get into those things. So, so yeah, it's a, it'll definitely be a nice help and it'll allow, allow Andrew to go and, and be a little more selective to go to some places instead of just saying, well, I have to drive to Pittsburgh to go play. And then I have to drive to you know, Ithaca the next week and play. And uh, and now he can kind of be a little more selective about things that will be better for him scheduling wise and better opportunities to earn points. Yeah, well said. And, you know, again, you're, I'm just certain by winning this award, you're in other circles now. You have the opportunity to talk with a few sponsors or just, again, get on you're, – you're in the universal tennis circle. Like, it, it's a big thing. And, you know, again, I'm curious, this award – it's a great thing for college tennis, obviously. Any final thoughts on the Hurt Award? Are you ready to talk about everything that happened this past week? No, let's let's get into it. All right, let's talk about the past week then because it was an exciting one. And again, there's so many different places we could start because it's you, because a team won, earned its first conference victory for the first time in over a year and a half. Let's start with the SEC. I mean, again, there's a bunch of different places we can go. The most notable result of the weekend wasn't Alabama's upset over Florida, and yet... How do we not start there, Chris? Alabama knocking off Florida 4-3. I mean, you're our senior SEC correspondent. They did this in Gainesville, Chris. What a win for the Crimson Tide. Yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy watching it. You just had that sense, like, a great win for Alabama, a much-needed win for Alabama. And yet, as you watched this match coming down to the end, you just kept getting that sense, kind of like watching, you know, a, a Joker and a doll sort of struggle. And then when it gets to five all in the third, you just know they're going to find a way to pull it out. And you just thought, you know, Florida's going to find a way to pull it out. And and it comes down to, you know, they're up three one, but they're down in all the remaining matches. It quickly gets to three two uh, as Bonetta loses a six love third. But then a chance a chance for Bama to, to get out and they can't close the door. They're they're served. They Braswell is down five six receiving or he gets burned that he gets to five all, goes down five six, has to break to stay alive, and he does. And then he forces a tie break. And that tie break went absolutely forever. I think it ended up being 10-8, but so many ups and downs and swings uh in in that tie break. It doesn't go his way. Now they lose that one. Now all of a sudden it's it's three two or three all, 
and it comes down to Rowan Jones and Orlikowski. Jones gets to serve for the match. Jones can't close it out. Orlikowski breaks. And at this point, you know, you're just thinking, oh, my goodness, the, <laughs> the window's gone. Bama just can't get over the hump. And then Jones goes down two match points. He's serving 30-40, trying to stay alive at 5-6. He holds, goes to a tie break, and just runs away with the tie break. And just, I mean, the, that was about the only anticlimactic part. I mean, it, had that been like a, another 10-8 breaker, it might have been a little more. But 7-2, he runs away in the breaker. And, uh, and you know, the, obviously his teammates, you know, rush him, and it's a big mob. And in this case, well-deserved. I mean, what a win what a win for Alabama. As you mentioned, they went winless last year. They haven't won one this year. So it's back into, you know, the end of COVID days since they've had a win. So big win for them. Yeah. And Alabama now nine and seven overall on the year. You get a win like this, you're going to be back in the NCAA tournament conversation, particularly with so much of conference play to go. Look, this Florida team lost six starters. And they've played a really tough schedule to date. You know, they're six and seven overall, but, you know, let's be clear. They have losses to USC, Stanford, Kentucky, North Carolina, um, Texas, you know, five top 16 teams there. Uh, The loss at Mississippi State last weekend as well. They're also working in a bunch of freshmen. Leaving them out of the top 16. Who? Mississippi State? No, that's the other one I was forgetting. Shut up. Um, (laughs) Obviously, they're working in freshmen in Braswell, in Orlikowski, in Narundorn, and uh, and Tokats, who obviously has been dealing with an injury right now. You know, even Axel Nev, he's new to to the to the Florida campus. Obviously, Will Grant and Lucas Greif, they've been around, but this is their first full season of dual match play, where you got to play five months consecutively. There were always going to be some lumps early in the year. And again, you take that six and seven record with a grain of salt. Here's the problem, Chris. You ready to hear their last six regular season matches of the season? Auburn at home, at AM, Tennessee at home, Georgia at home, Kentucky at home, at South Carolina. I'm happy we're pre recording this because I can say this now and you can quack it out. They're fucked. Like, that's really hard. Like, you need your freshman to be good right away Uh, or not right away but by the end of the season if not like again now you're flirting with the 500 rule chris all of a sudden and it's just they're under 500 right now that's what i'm saying and so it's just like they kind of had to beat like they had to beat who they were going to beat uh this season a if they wanted to stay in the top 16 mix but like i don't know chris again they're nine remain uh they have excuse me yeah nine matches remaining Ready? Let's just go through. Six and seven right now. At Ole Miss. Gotta win. Let's be kind and give them a win. Yeah, I was saying, I mean, that's a, that's just a must, right? At Vanderbilt. Must. Arkansas at home. Must. Auburn at home. That's a must. That's the season right there. Yeah. That match. Um, and that A&M. puts you not so now we're ten and seven, right? A, yeah. To me, A and M's the swing match. If they screw one of those first four up, it becomes a must win, and it might be anyway because they're about to get screwed down the stretch. So let's just say it's a must win. I think it will be. Well, but, it is. No, those two are the swing. Auburn yeah. and A and M are must wins because now they're eleven and seven. But now, yeah, now let's yeah, go. Yeah, but then you this. end Tennessee at home. Yep. Georgia at home. Kentucky at home. You have to win one of those three because you end at South Carolina. In all due respect to this, well, that, that's eleven team. and eleven, then, right? That's or uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like 
And then you have to win a match in the SEC. No, tournament. no, no, that that's twelve and ten, Chris. Because right now they're six and seven. If they win five in a row, that's eleven and seven. Great math, Alex. That's why you're the professor. Eleven and eleven. Yeah, eleven and, and eleven. And then they gotta win their first match in the and SEC tournament. Then you have to win your first match in the SEC tournament, which is not going to be a given, right? Because there's thirteen. Well, they lost teams. Alabama. They could be like yeah. the eight seed. Yeah, there's 13, two of them get a play in, and then you play basically five through 12 play a bracket. But that means that, you know, when five through 12 are playing, yeah, if you're eight, nine, you're you're playing a toss-up. Ole Miss again, A&M again, Mississippi State again. Like, one of those teams could very well finish eighth. Um, Oh, my God. It's not easy. Yeah, they've got their work cut out for them for sure. That I mean, is, they have some must. They 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 have to basically run the table heading into that just killer stretch of the of the last four. Do you start scheduling double headers? I think they have some dates left. Like, do you go well, that you, far? You don't need a date if you make it a double header. So, well, no, that's what I'm saying. Oh, well, okay. Again, yeah, shut I, up. Um, um what, yeah, you're right. Okay, but yes, you are correct, Chris. What I meant is, sorry, I don't know why I'm so snippy with you today. Um, yeah, absolutely, because they're probably going to have the ranking to get in. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I do. I, I think you know, and given where they're at, sure, you get. Uh, you know, there's there's lots of teams they could get to come over and play them in a in a double header. That it's probably you know probably behooves them to to grab one or two of those while they're at it. That is crazy. The question is, it's not it's not always the easiest thing in the world to do to find a team that's got it because you don't need to have the date if you make it a doubleheader. But it's inevitably going to be their only match that day. So they need a date. So now they're having to look around for anybody, you know, within driving distance. Can they get a, you know, a North Florida, you know, uh, you know, a Stetson, uh, who I don't know, you know, a fair number of teams, maybe even coerce a Kennesaw State or a Georgia State or a Georgia Southern to come down from Georgia. Or, but they, unfortunately, they don't want it to be too hard. I mean, look, A&M saw that when they scheduled UTSA in a doubleheader post-SEC match. Mm-hmm. You, it, you know, you got to be careful with it. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think I would be looking that direction for sure. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do. All right. Obviously, again, big win for Bama. Uh, That was your upset victory. Probably not your most significant victory of the weekend. Let's start with two teams that faced off. And then obviously, you know, again, they did damage to one another. If you look at their results later on in the weekend, let's start with your Mississippi State Bulldogs. Really big victory for them. Once again, they knock off Auburn this time 4-3 at home. Comes down to the number one spot. Uh, Nemanja Malisovic, 7-5 in the third over Tyler Stone. Dice. Now, again, this was a really fun match, and let's be clear: Auburn gave Mississippi State the business in doubles, six-two wins at the one and two spot. That doubles point was never close. Shout out to Mississippi State, though. They come out, they win five first sets in singles. They win this match without fifth-year Gregor Ramscogler. That's a good win for your Bulldogs, Chris. Now yeah, it's two, I'm- by the way, with that and the win over Florida at home as well. Right. That I mean, that was the a, a big win given. Look, the the absence of Ram, and obviously it it hurt uh, hurt on on Saturday as well. Yeah, they didn't get a win out of six singles where he plays, but I would say 
to me, even more than that, I think they have a good fighting chance. It really hurts them in doubles. To me, in my mind, the best doubles player on the team. That's a that's a tough a tough job for them when they're missing him, and and, and especially uh, against some of the competition they're playing. So for them to pull that one out, and you mentioned it, it could not have been any closer. Seven five in the third, and and Memo gets it at deuce, uh, right six five. They're going to breaker uh, if that point doesn't go his way, and. And that was the match. And who knows what happens if it goes to a breaker. So a, a huge win for them keeps their, you know, keeps their hopes uh, of trying to slide into one of those top 16 host spots, which is the goal for them uh, alive uh, as they're now still, I think, 14th going to be, uh, if I if I recall right, this week in the ranking. So so they're keeping that spot alive. It's still going to, you know, it's still going to be very iffy coming coming down the stretch for them. Some of their wins are getting better, like, you know, and some of their losses are getting better, like the old Miss, but uh, and A&M will continue to get better, who they lost to following up on that match. But yeah, I mean, a great, great win for them. The good news for them as well. Uh, the Ram thing's not a not a long sustained. He's going to be out for weeks kind of thing. Just a, a freak, you know, yeah. should be good to go. Yeah. And look, this team's sneaky experienced, right? And the fun part is they might even be a year away, but like... Memo, Yovanovich, Hernandez, Lumsden, like they've all been, or maybe not Yovanovich. Is he a freshman? Yovanovich is a freshman, yeah. Yeah, but is it Sanchez Martinez who's not a freshman? He's he's also a freshman. No, they're both okay, freshmen. No, they, they're but, the two but, freshmen, right? Yeah, but, but then it's, you've but got it's Lumsden, Ram, Memo, yeah. Hernandez, Lumsden. Again, yep. that core has been through some things. And so, yeah, it's a good weekend for them. Now, again, they can't do it twice in a row. Last weekend, they get the win over Florida. They lose to Ole Miss. This weekend, they get the win over Auburn. They drop a tight one to A&M. Now, I think that speaks to A&M's desperation, and we'll get to them in a little bit. But let's talk about the Auburn side of things. Because Auburn was a team, wins the blue-gray, all this momentum coming into conference play. It's been a tough start for this Auburn team. And look, they've had to go on the road, right? They're at Mississippi State. That's tough. You get Georgia, Tennessee at home. Even to split those two, you do feel like that's a win. The issue is then on Sunday, 4-1 loss at Tulane. Are they eliminated from top 16 contention, Chris, barring a win over a Kentucky or a South Carolina? Barring a big win like that, probably. I mean, it's going to be really tough for them now. Uh, That's that it's going to have to be one of those, you know, one of those teams, that's likely a top 10 team They're, you know, they may, they may have to knock off uh, or, or, and they're going to get another shot at somebody in the sec tournament. So it's not like they don't, you know, they, they could very well, right. Get in, get there by virtue of it. Maybe it doesn't have to be a, a Kentucky, South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, but let's say that Mississippi state's still hanging around you know, the 16 mark and they get another shot at them in the SEC tournament before the selection time comes around, that would be a huge point gainer that could help a lot. I don't know. I still think at this point, it's going to take a win over one of those top teams. Yeah. 23 and 14 overall in doubles is the sovereign team for them to lose the doubles point uh, in the fashion that they did, you know, again, after beating Mississippi state as soundly as they did, that was surprising. Now, again, credit to this Tulane team, who is a top 45 team in the country, 9-5 and five overall on the year. They have good wins now, you know, uh, over a Texas Tech team, over Middle Tennessee, over Auburn. Now, they're very, very much in the mix uh, as it comes to the NCAA tournament. But 
to match Auburn's got to win if you want to be top 16. And again, especially after you drop the 4-3 at Mississippi State on Thursday prior. Uh, tough weekend for Auburn fans. And again, they're working in some freshmen, right? I like Blades. I like uh, Alejandro Moreno as well. It just hasn't all clicked yet. Like, they haven't had a match where all six pieces click perfectly. And again, we know what the ceiling of this team is, but now they need a big victory if they're going to make up some of the deficit they've built for themselves early in the year. Let's mention those. Uh, let's get into those aforementioned Aggies quickly to wrap our SEC show. Uh, SEC show, SEC coverage. They got the split they needed, right? We said it on last week's show. Two road matches for them, two tough ones, obviously, at Georgia, at Mississippi State. Now, we were on the call for the Georgia match. They win the doubles point. And, you know, they made that match physical. Third sets for Bride, for Kreuter at the three and four spot. And, you know, again, ultimately Georgia pulls away. I think it was a 5-2 victory uh, for the Bulldogs. That match could have absolutely have been 4-3. Now, on the Georgia side of things, Ethan Quinn's heating up. And that is a dangerous, dangerous prospect, Chris, for the rest of the country as it relates to this Georgia team. Because if he's clicking like this at one, takes them to another level. But again, if you're the Aggies, like, you just needed it. And you got it. That was a big win for them on the road at Mississippi State. Yeah. And, I mean, look, I did. You were trying to call for a two and O weekend. I didn't see that coming, but I did honestly, even though, even though they're my guys, I expected them to go into Starkville and pull off a win. Uh, I just, it's just one of those things that you, you could see it coming. It was, it's desperation. I thought Georgia was going to be, they actually made that Georgia match a little more competitive than I thought they were going to. Uh, That did get really tight. Like you mentioned, it may be five, two in the end, but that was, that was pretty close match. Uh, but just a little too much on the Georgia side. But A&M's definitely, you know, they're better than their rank. They're a very, they're a very solid team. And, you know, what interests me, what intrigues me with this team is the number of different lineups that we're seeing. They're playing, especially down at the bottom. It's different guys all the time. Look, we're seeing Hildebrand and Schachter are, are clearly the number one doubles team. But Hildebrand keeps getting pulled out of singles every week. I don't know if there's something going on there or if it's just, hey, let's just try different guys. I, I don't know. But uh, but we've seen a host of different players play in the five and six or four, five and six spots for them. But there's just too much. There's too much talent on the roster for them to not figure out who the guys are that are in form and the guys that are ready to perform on that day, they're going, you know, they're, they're going to be good. And, and we can put the rest the, are they making the tournament now? They're obviously making the tournament. Yeah, they needed it Uh, with UTSA continuing to rock and roll. We'll talk about that later. It's just a win-win across the board for teams in Texas right now. And just so everyone knows current sec standings, Georgia four and oh, 10 and five overall, but four and own conference play there in first place, Ole Miss two and oh, uh, they're in tied for first in that undefeated category, 12 and two overall in the year. Sneaky solid Rebels team uh, who got a hard fought win at Arkansas. And then South Carolina, 3 0 in conference play, 14 and 1 overall on the year. Kentucky, Tennessee, each with one loss thus far. Your winless teams, Arkansas, 0 and 3, LSU, 0 and 4. That is where things stand in the SEC. All right, let's talk about the ACC because, again, I think there were a lot of fun matches over the course of the past week. In Thankfully, again, we were fortunate to be able to broadcast so many of them as part of our Crack Rackets ACC broadcast. Let's start with the defending NCAA champions, Virginia, 
because if you look at Virginia's season, again, they've been fine. 12-4 and four overall. They weren't bad at the National Indoors. Two losses inside to Michigan and Ohio State. I don't think there's shame in any of that. They are undefeated 4-0 in conference play. Looked really good outdoors smacking a Florida State team two weekends ago. And then this past weekend, they went on the road, back indoors for what it's worth. But look, they were tested in both their victories over Louisville and Notre Dame. And, you know, the Notre Dame match was 4-0 at clinch, but let's be clear. They served for the doubles point up 5-4 at 3. They got broken. It was decided in a breaker at at 3. You know, Vander Schulenberg and Rodesh each lost their matches respectfully. And, you know, again, Rodesh got a loss in doubles as well. I think that speaks to the team of Dominco and Fu. They're really good. And Sebastian Dominco is just the real deal. He might be the best freshman in the country, Chris. We don't talk about him enough on this show. Big lefty. Come on. Like, you have our attention. We promise, Sebastian. Um, but I don't know. Look, still no Barbotzer for this team. Kiefer's playing better and better at six. Dahlberg's still finding his way. Where are you with Virginia here on Monday, March 13th? They still tier one in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I can't take them out of that tier only because, look, I feel like I feel like this is the part of the season where they've just got to get through and they kind of know it. I mean, they know they're going to they're going to be, you know, not only are they going to be in the NCAA tournament, they're going to be hosting. Now, the question is, are they going to get them spot themselves in a spot to be a top eight and actually get that's going to be the big the big the big point for them. But Botzer's going to come back healthy at some point. He's going to fill a spot in the lineup. I think, you know, I, I don't want to say that they're not taking it seriously, because obviously when you're out there on the court, everyone's trying to win. I just think that it's not. You know, there's almost a different little, there's a little mental attitude around the whole thing when it starts getting closer to tournament time with these guys, just because they've all been there. uh, And and we see it at all levels where, you know, you just start to up your game the closer it gets to the big tournaments and the big time. And I, I expect to see that happen. I'm not overly enthused with some of these performances like you're talking, I mean, Yes, Sebastian Domenico is the real deal. I watched him play kickoff weekend at Kentucky and was just like, and and to your point, he and Fu and doubles, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but you know, for for Rodesh to be kind of just, yeah, I mean, even not just that match, but others, he's just been eh, as of late, right? And yeah. and I don't expect to see that continue. So, I mean, for all of those reasons, yeah. They're still tier one. They may not be playing like it right now, but they're still tier one. Yeah, and Yaki Montez is like, can we go outside, please? Like, yeah. I'm so done playing indoor tennis. And look, he bounced back really well against Notre Dame after a tough loss to Danae. Uh, or Danae, right? Donnett? What yeah. is it? Yeah. Danae, yeah. Uh, for Louisville. Yeah, like, again... Get him outdoors. That's what I mean. Getz has looked excellent this year. Leads the team and wins 11-2. and two. He's the real deal at four. I mean, again, just proving what we saw from him last season wasn't entirely accurate. It's a top four they have so clearly solidified, and all of them can win any match that they play. 
Look, Kiefer's getting better at six for what it's worth, seven and three, but he's won his last four decisions, two straight sets wins this weekend. Doubles is a mess for them right now. Like, I know they're 26 and 13 overall, but you look so far, they've played 11 different, 12 different pairings. Now, that includes Botzer, who, you know, once you get Botzer back, you feel like, okay, him and Rodash can go back to doing their thing. Maybe the pieces fit a little bit more cleanly. But, like, it's just so clear this team is nowhere near as good as they – like, they're just not playing well. They're just not clicking. And it's – like – and I don't say that in a debilitating way. I actually think that's, like, the ultimate glass half full where it's, like, they're clearly not the best version of themselves yet, and they're still winning through it. And ultimately, that's what matters. And it's, like, we've seen this story. We know what they're going to do in the ACC. Like, now, I do think it's fascinating. They've got UNC this weekend. That's a real test. Obviously, they've got Duke this weekend as well. Both those matches in Charlottesville. Time to wake up. And, like, again, it's go time. We'll see this weekend, right? I think it's a big weekend for the Hoos. Yeah. Here's my only question looking longer term for them. Clearly, I mean, when bots are, let's, I mean, let's all assume bots are coming back healthy, ready to go, ready to go in form. He, he jumps in the five spot and it's between Dahlberg and Kiefer for who's playing six. But the, the question I have is your doubles teams need to play together. Are they maintaining the doubles teams? And it's just a plug and play bots are for Woodall. Is it Rodesh and, and bots are back in and you just swap them and you leave the other teams as they are. Because I think it's a little disruptive if you say, well, no, we're putting Botzer in with Rodesh, but then we're sliding Woodall in with and basically changing all the teams up. I I I wouldn't like that. I think the you know, the guys need to get a good portion of the conference season playing with the guy they're gonna go to battle with in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think that's well said. And again, Virginia, the defending NCAA champs, they haven't lost a conference match in over two years. Four no start for them in ACC play. There are four undefeated men's teams right now in the conference. You have uh, the top ranked team of them all, North Carolina. And, you know, again, the new rankings will have come out. But last week, North Carolina uh, was sitting, I believe, all the way up at number nine in the ITA rankings. Duke undefeated in conference play. They're at 12. Virginia undefeated conference play. They're at 13. You know who I bet's going to make their top 25 debut, though, this week, Chris? It's the 4-0 and undefeated NC State Wolfpack. How about NC State start to this ACC season, Chris? Particularly after this NC State team, they struggled during the non-conference portion of play. They were 6-4 and four coming into the start of ACC, uh, of their ACC schedule. Losses, you know, 4-3 to Northwestern, to Harvard, a couple of heartbreakers early in the season. They lose tough matches to Michigan, South Carolina. No shame there, but 4-0 over Clemson. 4-0 at Georgia Tech to open conference play. And then this weekend, they defend their home courts well. 4-2 win over Miami. Then even more impressively, 4-0 win over a Florida State team that was coming off of a victory over Wake Forest. You know, this was an NC State team that made the NCAA round of 16 last year. It was a group that was really young last season and all of those pieces, right? You know, uh, Sylvester and Staheli and Ven Sambique, they all got a little bit older. The sh- you know, Schick got older as well. Katri now in his senior year, Luke in his fifth year. This team's starting to play like we thought they might at the start of the season, Chris. They're looking top 16 good, and I think they've opened up a pathway for themselves. Yeah, I tell you what, that 
the win they had over Florida State was probably one of the most impressive from the weekend to me because not only did they beat Florida State 4-0, they were missing two of their top three singles players. So Luke was out. Uh, Rosens was out. And, you know, now granted, it didn't even really get to their play in indoors, so you only play the first four, but they got doubles and then they get, you know, they split first sets two and two, but then the two first sets they lose at one and two to ACC and LP. They turn around and split, and then they end up beating LP at two, and that's the match. I mean, it, it ends 4-0, but when you're missing two of your top three singles guys and you take a team like Florida State out 4-0, that's a really impressive win. And as you mentioned, following you know, followed that off a, a 4-2 win over Miami. Yeah, they're they're rounding into form. Uh, projected that got him projected at number 20 uh, for this week. So we'll see when they come out. I think your, your, uh, your prediction of they'll be in the top 25, I'm sure is accurate. Uh, And we'll see if uh, how close to that number 20 it is. And, and yeah, they're, they are coming into form and, you know, showing us a little bit of what we, how high we were on them preseason. And we, we know they're really good at doubles and now they're just showing that they've got real depth in singles and it's just a matter of getting the right guys on the right day. No, and they're they're still have, like not healthy. We still haven't seen the best version of them. Like Sylvester's finally working himself back and we know what he's capable of. I think he went 17 and 4 or something crazy like that in his freshman season last year and you know, look, this team still has the four big ones. UNC, Duke, Virginia, Wake Forest on their calendar. They've taken care of the teams they're supposed to beat, and that's half the battle in conference play because, again, all these matches, there's rivalry, there's road environments. It gets tricky. Look, this NC State team's got a really tough match at Texas this Tuesday, so it will have already been played by the time you hear this, but we're recording again here Monday, pre-recorded edition of the show for all of you. They've got that Texas match, North Carolina and Duke on the road, Virginia and Wake Forest they get at home. There's enough meat on the bone. This team can absolutely make a top 16 push, Chris, and they're starting to play like it. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, the, I think it's a year too early to make sure to, to say that we're going to see this. Well, what, what I'm about to say, but I watched last year, Damian Silvestri. That kid has got potential and he is good. I mean, Weapons. you watch you watch guys that, you know, they're just solid. They're backboards. They don't miss a lot. And then you watch guys that have all the shots and, you know, they're struggling more from lack of good shot selection or maturity, or it just looks so easy that they just kind of get in a, you know, they get in a rhythm where they mentally don't maintain focus. And that's, you know, that's what I saw to him was he had all the shots and he could beat anybody at any point in time, but you lose a little bit of, of focus and all of a sudden it gets hard, but he's got the game that will take him to that next level. And he's going to be a fun, I mean, I think next year and on he'll be, he's going to be their number one player. And he's going to be fun to watch playing against the top guys in the country. Yeah, well said. Again, this is a really good NC State team, so shouldn't shock anyone at all. And their goal is to be top 16. You also mentioned year away. I think this team's a year away. Like, yes, yeah. they've got a couple of fifth years, but it's still a young nucleus. And, you know, again, I think the best tennis is still ahead for the Wolf Pack. That weekend in general, you know, them and Wake Forest travel partners, they host Florida State and Miami. This Miami team's 8-6 and six now, and look, they're 0-4 to start conference play. Tough ones, right? Virginia Tech, Virginia, you know, you make the NC State-Wake Forest trip, but slow start for them. And then again, like, 
when I look at Wake Forest in Miami, I do see some shades of the same team where I'm like, I don't know what to make of either of these groups because on paper, they're both interesting. You know, for Wake Forest, they win doubles. And if Stafiu beats ACC at the number one spot, he got a win over Cornet Chovink, and they lost the match. Like, what? How does that happen? And by the way, this team's now 17-6 and six overall because, of course, Tony Bresky always schedules doubleheaders. He will never have to worry about the 500 rule at any program Tony Bresky is the head coach of. Um, like, again... I still don't know what to make. I thought Juan uh, Lopez looked solid at six. I think, you know, I think Tachi is pretty good. I think Maroney's rock solid. I think, again, they have six versions of some semblance of the same caliber level of player, even if the game styles are a little bit different. I think you could say the same thing about NC State. Again, same caliber of player, even if the game styles are a little bit different. I think for Florida State, ACC is the clear-cut one. But after that, all the everyone's pretty good. Like Rahani, right, plays a good match um, against Wake Forest, but then got rocked uh, uh, the next day by NC State. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I guess on Florida State and Wake, I just don't know what to make. Like, are they any – it's clear that, again, Virginia, UNC – and UNC has elevated itself to that tier, just given their start to the season and UVA's relatively slow start. That's the upper echelon of the ACC. After that, I know Duke's 4-0, but Duke, Wake, Florida State, NC State. You know, again, Notre Dame's been really frisky, but you probably can't put them quite there. Those are the, those are the next four, right? Those four are all the, we're the top 16 contenders and what, if you're the ACC, you're really hoping? Because I think UNC and Virginia are definitely going to be top 16. Of that next four, Duke, NC State, North Carolina, uh, Duke, NC State, Wake, and Florida State, how many of those do you expect to be top 16, Chris? If I say the over-under is one and a half, or just straight I, up too evenly. Yeah, I'm, I, I, would, I'm, 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 I would say I think two. Mm-hmm. Two seems like a, a a good guess, but I mean they could get more. They could also beat up on each other. Well, that's, that, the that's problem. you know, look, we we talk about this every year with the SEC, right? They do not like it's planned, but they do a great job of beating on beating up on each other and spreading <laughs> the points around, right? It just yeah. happens. It's like it's like like the the conspiracy theorist, and you would go. Yeah, Alabama was going to beat Florida all along, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. Ole Miss was going to beat Mississippi State. They just spread the points around to where everybody gets some. I yeah, you're right. That I mean, the, the ACC could do with a little of that. Having you know, having two teams that are just clearly above everybody else and never losing to anybody, and then a bunch of teams that you know, it's fine if the next set of teams are all hanging around 10, 11, 12, like uh, like will happen in the SEC, and they can lose a few matches. But when they're just battling for 16th and they could be 20th, then it's not quite so helpful. So, uh, so I don't know, but, but I do still think that, yeah, you, you, the teams you bring up in wake and Florida state are very interesting to me in two completely different ways. Wake. I'm, I still believe in the top four. I still have no faith in the in five and six there whatsoever. But I think on any given day with the top four performing and they're okay at doubles, that they can beat somebody. Florida State is a damn roller coaster. Look, I mean, 
Petrovic throws up a great match and then he loses 0-1. This has got to be at least the second or third time I've seen him lose 0-1. Uh, and he's all over the place. Same thing with Jamie Connell, uh, up and down. ACC lately has not been good. I mean, he got off to a great start, but he's just been eh, here lately. LP, in my mind, not great all year. Uh, I mean, he gets a first set, but then he can't do anything with it, and he ends up losing the match that that lo- that gets them clinched. I think they're just in a funk right now. They've got a lot of talent on the team. And Rahani, same deal. I mean, a big hitter. But boy, he's just good result, bad result. They're just so up and down that they have they have not put it together. One of those two teams has to make a top, you know, has to be a top 16. I actually think NC State will be there. I think they're getting going. They're the one team of those three. And as well as Duke, you know, you talk about Duke and, and NC state who, uh, well, Duke's actually ahead of them in the rankings. I think NC state's heading in the right direction. The other two, I'm not sure which direction they're going. I think Duke and NC state are in as long as we can get one of wake or Florida state in, I say three of those four make it. All right, we're doing this as quickly as humanly possible. So just straight yes, no, rapid fire here for the ACC. In the tournament, out. Virginia. In. Duke. In. NC State. In. North Carolina. In. Wake Forest. In. Florida State. In. Louisville. In. Notre Dame. Out. Virginia Tech. Out. BC. Out. Clemson. I don't think they've got enough. Out. Georgia Tech. Out. Oh, wow. That one was the surprise in Miami. Yeah, I had to think about that. I'm like, what do they have? No, there's nothing on. Yeah, no. Miami. My goodness. How many? This is the last one. I think they're out too. All right. There it is. That's your ACC update, folks. With all that said, Chris, we're going to stick with that rapid-fire theme as we go through the other notable results because obviously we still want to talk about our rankings here at Cracked Rackets as well as the week ahead. Now, of course, again, we won't have the ITA rankings to look at, so we'll be able to end a little bit quicker here. But Texas, 5-2 win over Stanford. The big news, though, Nishesh Basavaretti back up to the number two spot. Sounds like his left wrist is feeling a little bit better. He's hitting backhands again. He gets an 0-4 win over Micah Braswell. Now, it's worth noting this Stanford team did not have Max Basing, the superstar sophomore, out with some sort of injury. Still, Banerjee and Basavaretti each wins over Braswell and Bailey, respectively, you know, Spazier needed three sets to get through Ferry. Harper, three-set win over Kolazinski. Uh-oh. Stanford's getting frisky, Chris. Yeah, I, honestly, that Spazieri-Ferry match is probably, I mean, if, if you This might be match to, of the year. Yeah, if you ask me to pick, like, pick the two guys that you want to see play, to, you know, the two of the top guys, I mean, they're both way up in that conversation that's a match i will watch all day so yeah that's a that's a great one uh yeah a healthy boss of already is going to go a long way to helping stanford the question is is it a you know 
how big a deal is the basing thing? Because that's a killer too. I mean, yeah, gotta they've got to they've got to have those top four guys with basing Vasavaretti, Banerjee, and, and Ferry. Yeah, but if they do Kolasinski, Shadri, Rajesh, again, the piece are starting to play well they're, at the bottom. They're dangerous. They still yeah. got to figure out. I mean, they've got to figure doubles out. They're yeah, they're br- they're brutal. On the other side, Texas five two win, not too shabby for the Longhorns. Again, we're staying quick here. San Diego's. I don't know if they're a year or two years away. But this San Diego nucleus, Chris, is going to host the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament at some point. Hot take or correct take? The first two? Oh, that's So just a top 16? Or you're They're going to be top... top 16 in the next three years with this core. Oh, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I mean, heck, uh, how, how nice would it have been to see Tarvit and Holmgren in the same Oh Same my line. God! But that's but yeah, they're yeah no they've got they've they've got a good a good really good core there and <clears throat> I will say yeah, here's my hot take you you know what I think the biggest disruptor to that take will be go on Ryan Keckley getting Ryan Keckley getting a Power Five job. Uh, see, old me would have taken the bait there. I'm going to let that hang because that's a very good take by you, Chris. Hallibur. I mean, he's got. I mean, there's, it, there's. It's clear he has to be one of those names with what he's done, right? Yeah, but so, are we sure this isn't going to be a scenario of other name we both know where it's like, well, I'd have left, but my roster coming back is too good. Where it's like, I don't want to leave with all these guys. Or just that and, I love San Diego, San Diego Southern Diego, California. Right? I mean, it's, 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 it could be. If you're set up well there, it could be a really tough place to leave. I could see it. I'm, <clears throat> I'm just saying. I, you know, I have don't read anything into it. I have zero insight. I know sure. nothing. There's no. You know, I see. What I'm you're just saying. saying if if that were to happen, because look, if if I'm Vanderbilt with an open job this year, I'm Texas Tech with an open job this year. I'm talking to him, like, or I'm asking him at least. I, he's one of the guys I want to approach. Yeah, very good point. And again, the San Diego team passed week uh, that since we're recording wins over Old Dominion, SMU, and Oklahoma. Good for win over Oklahoma here today. Uh, that's just impressive for this young group. You mentioned that Texas Tech job. I'll tell you what, it's becoming more appealing after this past weekend. Texas Tech now 9-6 and six overall. Diablos Tennis Tournament. They earned victories over Michigan State, Arizona State, and Memphis. Those are two top 35 teams, Chris. Now, they've still got Middle Tennessee on the schedule at Oregon, and then, of course, five brutal conference matches at Baylor, at the two Oklahomas, Texas and TCU at home, but they're Texas and TC freaking you, the two teams that competed for the National Indoor Championship. Let's play the Florida game, Chris. Let's do it real quick. Ready? Nine and six overall. Do they beat at Oregon? Uh, Yeah. BYU uh, in Oregon as well? Yep. Okay, so that's 11 and six. Middle Tennessee at home. At home, I, I'll say yes. Okay, twelve and six. Then they avoid the five hundred rule, regardless of conference play. Let's just say they lose though, and they're eleven and seven. Who okay. of at Baylor, Texas at home, TCU at at home, at Oklahoma State at Oklahoma? Who of those five teams does Texas Tech win to avoid the five hundred rule conundrum? Yeah, well, obviously they're not. I mean, it's not going to be barring a miracle texas or, or tcu but the other the other three matches to all me, road matches which is and that's the tough part for them is that they're all road matches but i think that every one of those is a winnable match i mean they they could vary and so i would like to i would like to say that if you're going to play three of those 
and you want to be an NCAA tournament team, you got to get one. And right now, I would say probably the most likely for me is Oklahoma State. Okay, and Oklahoma State. I mean, again, this Texas Tech team's interesting. You look at their roster overall. I mean, again, obviously you lose head coach Danny Whitehead before the season. That was surprising, but yeah, I think they have one freshman on their roster, a bunch of fifth years as well, Aravelo and Azoidis, and you know, again, uh, oh, you got Ali Wallen who had yeah, such great, great turn success in the at the pro in the futures level over the summer, sure. uh, and Ribeiro. It, I mean, yeah, it's a it's really fascinating. Good, it's a re- yeah, there's a really good group of guys there. Yeah, again, so we'll keep our eye, and we see what Texas Tech accomplished this past weekend. Again, they win that tournament, wins over Memphis, Arizona State, Michigan State. Oh, we mentioned Middle Tennessee. We talked about it being an elimination match. I'll say it. Northwestern's not going to be a top 16 seed. They not get knocked out at home by Middle Tennessee. I mean, again, it's not a bad result for Northwestern. It's a good win for Middle Tennessee, but I think that's the eliminator. So any any other thoughts, Chris, or can I rapid fire through? No, go for it. All right. Again, let's be fast here. Columbia, 4-2 over Cal, 4-3 over Santa Clara. Are they more likely or less? If, if it's a 50-50 proposition, even odds, do you bet them to or not be a top 16 seed? Oh, they're a top 16. I like it. Uh, SMU, 5-2 over Cornell. SMU going to get into the tournament, Chris? Uh, they sh- I mean, they should— they really, really could have used that win over UCF to follow that one up over the weekend, and they didn't get it. So ah, I don't know right now. They, I mean, they need they need some quality wins. The UCF win can still win the conference too w- would have been huge for them. But yeah, but yeah, they can still win the conference. But barring winning a conference right now, it's it's not looking great because even with that good win, it gets them up into the around fifty, still out. Yeah, it's it's tough. They're right on the horizon. Well, then last two things before we get to the rankings in the week ahead. UTSA is just f***ing good. Like, it's time to just acknowledge it as a people, Chris, that what's going on right now at the University of Texas San Antonio is something special. I mean, you look at this team, you know, they get wins. They're just What sort of win streak? I want to see. They've won nine matches in a row. During that stretch, they've beaten VCU, Old Dominion, A&M, Wichita State, FAU, those are five tournament quality wins, Chris Furman as well. Like this team's getting in. Oh yeah, they're they're getting they're getting in. Look, you got win. You know that win over Texas A and M is only going to get better. Yeah. I mean, the points you got for that last week was Texas A and M at thirty nine. That Texas A and M is not going to stay at thirty nine. VCU, you know, their two signature wins, if you will, are the A and M win and the VCU win. VCU also a very good team, and then a host of solid teams in terms of Old Dominion, FAU, uh, and then you know, and then even some more ranked wins over teams like Wichita State and Louisiana. They've got, yeah, I mean, they're they're good, and you know, there's no doubt for them now. I think. This they should not, barring a really bad set of conference losses or something, they should not be sweating having to win the conference tournament, which is what is, you know, usually the case there uh, and not in the best of conferences to do that. So uh, so I think they're you know, they're going to get in based off ranking. They're going to grab an at large bid. Yeah. All right. Really well said. Well, then the last result I want to throw at you, the best underhand serve. I have ever seen. 
Chris, talk to me about what we saw unfold in Utah BYU. I mean, come on. This was just, this was great. Francisco Bastias, you know, match point. And I did, I love some of the comments on the video and I don't, hopefully Westoff's plugging that in for us here. You get this just, redi- I mean, we've seen Kyrgios and a host of others hit an underhand serve. They're generally almost like drop shot underhand serves, or they go for the sort of the almost like the slice wide, but it's a wide. This was a ridiculous screwball. I mean, slice serve that was just so good that the BYU player had to instantly try to complain that he wasn't ready when he was clearly set the entire time and waiting. And that, I mean, uh, what a what a beautiful serve. I, I don't care if you tennis purists don't like the underhand serve or anything else. I mean, hmm. uh I tell you what, girls. I have I have many times thought if you could just hit that kind of serve, but maybe with more underspin, the kind that would bounce back into the net, and you could do it so well that you could bounce, pull it back into the net every time. I would just do it because the guy would have to stand inside the service box, try to hit it before it bounced into the net, and you won the point. Uh, but that serve was so good that even if you knew the underhand serve was coming, unless you knew the wicked spin was coming. There's no way you're doing anything with it. It was a thing of beauty. Hats off to Francisco. It's the spin. It's the fact that the ball bit away. It was yeah, unbelievable. It just jumped. It jumped like four feet to the no, guy's it, left. It was so impressive, and it stayed short, and it moved left, and like again, you could tell he and it was disguised, and yeah, it was awesome. It was yeah. really well done. I don't like. It was perfect. That and the stones to do it on match point too. It's like you know what. I'm going yeah. out swinging. Screw it. And so I hope it was 40 love. But yeah. if that's Deuce, oh, even more props. No, well, it's I not mean, Deuce because, well, it could have been, I guess. Decided. No, it's just, it was unbelievable. And so, again, shout out to just some of the great. And I know we do a top 10 shots of the week now on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. There are so many nominees to pick from. It's so difficult to make those choices. Also difficult each and every week, of course, is putting together our Crack Rackets top 10 rankings. And that's where we move next with the week of Division One men's college tennis in the rearview mirror. Let's look at our Crack Rackets top 10. Chris, things stayed not just pretty constant. They stayed exactly the same. No changes for us this week. TCU still at number one, Texas two, South Carolina three, Michigan four, Ohio State five, Kentucky six, Virginia seven, USC eight, still haven't seen Leonard Tien for what it's worth for the Trojans, Georgia nine, UNC 10. Where is tier one end for you? Any qualms with anything you see? No, I, I don't. I, I don't have any qualms. Um, I right right now i think virginia sure um but uh but yeah there's i mean there no significant results from the from the top 10 to to make any of the rankings shift this past week i still as we said earlier i still think virginia's a top 10 team i think until i see learner tien i can't go there yet with usc i their singles is still really really good but i i don't the lack of him and the fact that I, you know, doubles has not been, you know, great. I, I don't see it being a, a tier one without either a big improvement in doubles or the addition of, of Leonard Tien. So I'm hoping we get to see that soon. Very well said. Well, with all of that in mind, speaking of what we'll see soon, let's get to the week of head to end today's show. Chris, there are a lot of good matches. Let's go rapid fire through. I'll name the match. You tell me what you want to see most. We'll go from least to most enticing in my mind. 
Harvard at San Diego. No, 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 you know what? Just give me predictions. Harvard at San Diego. I mean, this is a sneaky tough one, but I still think Harvard's just got too much. Uh, it's a 4-2 match for Harvard. Columbia at UCLA and Pepperdine, which now is sneaky fun. Yeah. I mean, that's... Do they go 2-0? and Man, I... If you ask me last week, I say they go two and zero. After four two and four three with Cal and Santa Clara, I'm not convinced. I th- I still think they go two and zero, but I am not going to be shocked at all if one of them, especially Pepperdine, jumps up and bites them. Oklahoma State also at UCLA and Pepperdine, the 85 percent version of those matchups. Again, Tennessee at Georgia. Who you got? I got us. I mean, that's your marquee SEC matchup of the week. Yeah, the the good news here for Tennessee is it's an outdoor match, no matter what. Yeah, uh, sure. <laughs> there's no indoors. And look, this is the first time in a long time we've been able to say Tennessee is a better outdoor team than they are indoor. Uh, I think they've got that going for them. Quinn versus Monday is just popcorn. That, delicious. Yeah, that's another one of those matches that I I would just pay to I would pay to watch. Uh I, I feel like the backs are more against the wall for Tennessee than they are for Georgia. But when they're this close, I just can't get away from the home team. And I'll, I'll take the dogs at home. Yeah, Ole Miss, Kentucky also at Auburn. Not the worst undercard for the SEC this week. Arizona at Cal and Stanford. Welcome to Pac-12 season, Chris. Arizona probably has to go 2-0 if they want to be a top 16 seed. Meanwhile, like again... I don't know what to expect from Stanford. Cal, uh, Cal's, you know, Cal loses a tough one to Columbia, but Cal's a good squad. They can absolutely get this win at home, Chris. What's Arizona's record on the weekend? Yeah, I, uh, I think they probably go one and one. They definitely don't need to win both to be a top sixteen seed. They've they've actually okay. got a host of decent wins this year. Just nothing worth big points, but they're not short on uh, on quality wins. If they get, you know, I think the most likely scenario is win over Cal, loss at Stanford. And I don't think that's going to be the worst thing in the world for them. I think the, I, I think Stanford's going to get better rank wise uh, as the season progresses. And that will become less and less hurtful. And, and I think they still make it. But I, that's kind of, I think in my mind, that's the most obvious scenario is they go one and one with a, with a win at Cal and a loss at Stanford. Yeah, again, I think it's going to be really fun uh, to watch all this unfold. We'll see how good each of these teams are. Again, Wake, Illinois at Baylor. Give me the Baylor record. Man, (laughs) those are two. Wow. I mean, it's hard to pick either one of those. I think probably the team with the best momentum out of all of those is Illinois. Um. I say Baylor goes one and one. And I, boy, I don't even know. I, they're going to beat one of them. I, they, I almost feel like they're dogs in both matches, uh, but they're, gosh, they're at home. They've got to win one of those. I mean, they, they honestly need to win them both. Uh, I, I mean, that would do wonders for turning things around for them right now. It'll be fascinating. Fascinating weekend in Waco. And you know, they're going to have all the fans out. Do either of Duke or UNC knock off Virginia this weekend? No. Does Louisville beat at Florida State? Maybe. All right. Florida State. Look, Florida State is horrific in doubles. 
Uh-huh. I mean, I've talked about te- some other teams. I'm not particularly fond of their doubles. I, I, I wish you had the stats in front of you because I feel like they've won like one or two doubles point. Now maybe they've played some cupcakes and got them, but of matches that matter, I don't. I don't feel like they've won very many doubles points. Uh, if they if they go down one zero to Louisville, look out. It's yeah. it's not going to be an easy match. I think that's a very possible upset. All right, last one. You have forty five seconds, and then I'm cutting you off. Michigan at Ohio State. Break it down for me. I mean, we're at Ohio State. I haven't looked. You, you have undoubtedly looked. What's the weather forecast? I, I, the theme I am hearing is expect indoors. Uh, then it's Ohio State. I mean, I'm not get. I'm not getting away from Ohio State indoors at home. I don't care who they're playing, even if it's TCU right now. Uh, I mean, it's indoors at Ohio State. So I, I think it's going to be a very fascinating matchup. I uh, Look, it's still the two teams that I picked for them for our NCAA final. I, oh, I, gosh, I want to see. I want to see the, especially the top three matchups. Like, what order are they putting them in? Who's playing who? But if it's indoors at Ohio State, give me four, three Buckeyes. I'm going to guess. First of all, I think you're going to see Nino Aaron Schneider back in the lineup. I think he's getting healthier day by day as well. That match is going to be so good. And we'll have it for you on Sunday on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel, 2 p.m. Eastern time. So be sure to check it out. Yeah, I mean, how can you pick against Ohio State in Columbus? Again, they played four times last year. They could play four times hypothetically again this season as well. This would be the first of the four home at home in the regular season. Again, would they play Big Ten Championship? Would they play at the NCAA tournament? We'll find out. But it all gets started this Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern time in Columbus. You can follow that match on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. With all of that said, a shout-out, as always, to Chris Halliors, who takes the time to join us each and every week on this deciding point. Of course, a shout-out as well to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of these podcasts possible. Shout-out as well to our friends at LS to learn more about the expansive LS catalog. Just be sure to click on the link in the description to this podcast. With all of that said, for the fantastic and Air Force Rockin', Chris Halioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at LS. And from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.